Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thank you for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. This week on the podcast, we're featuring Tim Vincevich. So my name is Timothy Vincevich. I go by Tim, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Chemistry at Washington University in St. Louis. Vincevich has been teaching here at WashU for around three years, but his love of all things academic goes back much further. In fact, back to when he was a kid. I grew up in Southeast Missouri, and my dad was a math professor at Southeast Missouri State University for 43 years. So I sort of grew up playing baseball down there and then um, sitting in my dad's office uh, pretending to be a professor on the chalkboard. Like his dad, Vincevich liked math. But over time, he got into chemistry, really into it. In college, he started doing demonstrations at local schools and even some science segments on the TV morning news. But he hadn't yet found his specialty area. That is, until he met a certain professor. So there was a really inspirational professor who was um, a synthetic organic chemist, meaning he makes molecules. But he was making molecules with a purpose, and that purpose was to try to discover new antibiotics. New antibiotics. Antibiotics, of course, are drugs that fight infections caused by bacteria tiny, single-celled creatures. Many bacteria live in our gut and help us do things like digest food, but others can cause us to get sick. And as you've likely heard, more and more bacteria are becoming resistant to antibiotic drugs. Antibiotic resistance means that illnesses that were once easy to treat can become dangerous. It's a huge problem, and one that, for reasons we'll hear about in a minute, big drug companies are not doing very much to solve. So, scientists like Ivancevich and his college professor step in. So, the more chemists you talk to, the more you'll realize we really like a challenge. And for me, the antibiotic resistance phenomenon is a major challenge. Because a lot of people these days say we're in the post-antibiotic era, that we're actually in the resistance era. This isn't some future threat. It's happening now. According to the CDC, each year in the U.S., 2 million people become infected and 23,000 people die because of bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. And this is going on around the world. There's one strain um, that was an outbreak strain in China that had one single piece of DNA on a mobile element, meaning it could pass it around to its neighbors, that had 45 antibiotic resistance genes on it. So in one simple swoop, one bacteria is resistant to 45 drugs. Um, that's pretty scary. And there are now strains of that bacteria that are resistant to every single FDA-approved drug. So it needs special attention. So throughout graduate school at Notre Dame and then a postdoc position at Harvard Medical School, Vincevich continued to study the problem and possible solutions. For him, it's really more than a career path. I always had a passion to make a difference in the world as I think many millennials do. And all along the way, my passion for that field grew. And I really love chemistry, but finding a niche for your chemistry in a meaningful area is very important to keep you excited and sort of at the uh, frontier and cutting edge of your field. Um, and that's where I am here at WashU. Been here for three years, still dedicated to antibiotics, 
still come at it with the angle of taking a molecular perspective um, towards that field. So why has this field become so necessary and important? How did the age of resistance come about? To answer that, we first have to go back a few decades to when antibiotics first hit the scene. If you look at the history of antibiotics, uh, they really started um, back in the late 1930s when the first uh, antibiotics were discovered from the chemical dye industry. They were the sulfonamides. And from there, that set off a flurry of people just doing what you think of a scientist doing, just looking under a microscope at bacteria and dropping chemicals on them and seeing what happens. It's as basic science as you can get at. And they found a lot of useful things using that method. We have high-tech genomics and genome sequencing and proteomics and metabolomics, all these fancy omics to do big data processing. But it turns out for antibiotics, uh, the solution to finding new ones is very basic. Uh, it lies in nature. So the soil, plants, microbes, they pretty much have already made any antibiotic we can think of. And so that's what happened in the golden era of antibiotics, the 1940s to 1960s. People were digging in the dirt, um, extracting things from plants, and then just dropping them on bacteria, seeing what they do. Eventually, this golden era faded. Scientists stopped the search for new antibiotics. And Vincevich says a big reason for the shift had to do with attitude as much as science. What happens, we're humans and we get cocky and we think we don't need any more antibiotics. We've solved this problem, let's move on. The short-term mindset, which was in hindsight uh, a terrible mistake. Because in 1960, there was a big shift away from that old-fashioned style of digging in the dirt for new drugs and they switched to these high-throughput me methods that are more um, recognizable in big modern pharmaceutical industries that have buildings of millions of compounds that they screen and they figure we have everything in here you could ever want. Well, what you don't have are those special molecules that have been evolved over hundreds of millions of years to work very well. It wasn't until the year 2000, decades later, that a new antibiotic class was brought to the market. Then there was this breakthrough thanks to a guy named Steve Brickner, a scientist at Pfizer who on his own time found an answer for strep and staph infections that were resistant to penicillin. This was supposed to open a new era of discovery and inspire everybody to get back on track, Vincevich says. But it didn't play out that way. And for a pretty depressing reason, money. The economics didn't make sense because a patent lifetime for a compound is about 20 years, and by the time you get it to market, you only have 10 years of that left. And if you crunch the numbers and look at where people project antibiotics now, it's going to take about 25 years before you would make any profit. So you're five years out on your patent, and there's no point. So because antibiotics won't make big bucks, we all just have to live in a world with superbugs? This is pretty awful in my mind. But for a little consolation, remember who we're talking to. So, in comes academics. How can we make a difference? Big Pharma has gotten out of the game largely from the ground-up perspective. But if you can come in and find something interesting worth pursuing, uh, you might pique their interest. 
and I would never sit here and tell you that I'm going to make the next drug. Drug development is a team effort and a large team effort between basic scientists and physicians, company executives, the government. It's huge and it's too big for any one person to do. But what we can do is take risks and study things from a fundamental perspective that big companies don't have the patience to do because they'll burn too much money doing that when they have other priority things to pursue. So we can take those risks, find those interesting new discoveries, and then if they have value to them, we can get a company interested. In the search for these new discoveries, Vincevich doesn't have to go all the way back to digging in the dirt like his predecessors. Instead, those golden era scientists are kind of part of the team. Chemists today can build upon what they left behind. Since 1940, there has been over 25,000 antibiotic molecules reported in the Handbook of Antibiotics. There are far more molecules out there than that. There's millions. We've just found and characterized 25,000. A very tiny fraction of those 25,000 molecules have even been given a thought for development and use as an antibiotic. So we actually tend to start there. Now personally, I kind of liked the picture of Vincevich and his team flipping open some binder filled with lists of tens of thousands of molecules, picking one out at random, and from there finding some amazing new drug possibility. But that's not how this works. After all, these are scientists. If we're going to go after a molecule, one from nature, our rules are this. The structure has to be different than anything else that's currently being used in the clinic. That's the number one rule. If you want to have new activity, you have to have a new chemical structure. So we always start there. And the second part of that is we look at the structure and we read the literature to see if there's anything known about its activity. And we try to pick molecules that do act in new ways. And that gives us a huge advantage because we immediately know we're working on a new structure that acts in a new way. And it's unlikely that it's going to fall victim to the established mechanisms of antibiotic resistance that's in our hospital. And that's where we want to direct our efforts and build more long-term plans around a molecule that has a future we can manage. Now you might think that Vincevich is looking for molecules that kill bacteria in new ways, totally wipe them out. After all, that's how many current antibiotic drugs work. But he's not. The antibiotics that kill a bunch of kinds of bacteria at once are only really needed in certain cases. And they come with a heavy price tag. If you have a really sick person, maybe they're immunocompromised, they walk into the hospital dying of uh, severe sepsis, um, uh, severe infection of some kind. You don't know what they have. You don't know why they're sick. So you want to give them a powerful, broad-spectrum antibiotic that will just take the place of their immune system and kill the infection outright. That's absolutely needed these days. But if you have a healthy immune system, maybe that's not the best strategy. Because when you kill out all the bacteria, what do you leave behind? Only the resistant ones. And all you need is one cell. And it divides and divides and divides and divides. And then the majority population is resistant. So that's the fear amongst the antibiotic community with pursuing these broad spectrum magic bullet antibiotics is that they breed resistance very rapidly. 
In fact, overuse and misuse of these kinds of drugs is a part of what led to the era of resistance in the first place. Luckily, there are other possibilities. For example... We're not going to kill the enemy. We're just going to cut it off from its resources. Starve it out. That's right. Bacteria need nutrients, just like humans. Um, When you and I are hungry, we just go to the grocery store. We buy our fruits, vegetables, and meat. We get all of our nutrients. We eat it. We don't even make our own folic acid. We have the bacteria in our bodies make folic acid, or else you can take a supplement, of course. Bacteria have to fight and scratch for every single piece of nutrient, and they have to steal it from us. Without those nutrients, the bacteria can't grow and spread. It's also possible that drugs of the future could target specific bacteria instead of a whole bunch at once. To be sure, these would not be the right treatments for the super sick patients that Vincevich mentioned earlier. Since the bacteria aren't actually killed, a healthy immune system still needs to provide backup. There would also have to be improvements in how well and how quickly doctors diagnose infections. Overall, there is a lot left to discover. But in Vincevich's mind, the payoff would be worth it. The benefits are huge. When you think about minimizing the exposure of an active ingredient to only one type of bacteria, you'll minimize the side effects that go along with broad-spectrum antibiotics that kill off all your healthy bacteria of your microbiome. So you can preserve the microbiome and only kill out a pathogenic cell. That's the dream antibiotic therapy. Um, And I think someday we'll get there. That someday may be years away. But in the meantime, Vincevich stays optimistic and focused on the long-term goal. I like to compare science to baseball. And uh, if you're batting 300, you're doing really well. You're going to make it into the Hall of Fame if you bat career over 300. Uh, Science is hard, and you have to be willing to deal with failure. And you have to acknowledge the people that have paved the way for you to be doing what you're doing. And I think about all the time the mentors I had in my life, um, particularly um, uh, my PhD mentor Marv Miller and postdoc mentor Chris Walsh, and I look at them putting in you know 40-year careers um, to open the door for someone like me to even be having the thoughts that I'm having. Um, and, and modern science moves so quickly and it's so big that um, you do follow those those directions um, that have been laid before you. Um, I am very hopeful and excited about every new discovery we have, but I'm also very realistic about um, how challenging it is. And I think I mentioned earlier, I would never sit here in front of you and say that I personally personally am going to make the next life-saving antibiotic. It's a team effort, and I could say that collectively with my students, with the support from an industry partner, um, with investments from people who are interested in this sort of thing, yes, we could make a life-saving antibiotic. Um, But that we is extremely important. Thank you so much to Tim Vincevich for joining Hold That Thought. You can find many more ideas to explore on our website, holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And always, thanks for listening.